All right, can I just say something about the Samsung Cup? I'll talk about the news of it later, but I just want to mention real quick something that's always just kind of made me laugh about it. It's it has to do with the music. And now I don't think this is a far-fetched um, opinion to have, but I don't think that a Go YouTube channel should use heavy metal as their their music. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of heavy metal. Metal. That's like the type of music I listened to in high school, and I love it. I get that, but it just doesn't seem to match with the vibe of a Go tournament. And for some reason, the Samsung Cup has this interesting heavy metal theme that here let me just play for you what what it sounds like okay now imagine while this is playing chejong this is from last year chejong and chinjinsaw are closing their eyes trying to focus on the game and relax and like it just it just clashes. I'm sorry. I mean, like, nothing against the music itself as a standalone. Just, I don't think it really works. So maybe change it up a bit uh, to the team at whoever's designing the music over there. Uh, but anyway, welcome to Starpoint, the show about Go for Go fans away from the board. And today, I've got a special topic for you. It's Go technology. And we're going to be going over the Go technology of today and all the hardware and software things that, you know, are in the Go world. We'll talk about SGF editors as well and the pros and cons of some of them. And then we'll move on to a little bit of what I think could be the Go technology of tomorrow. But first, the Go technology of today. Now, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is clocks, right? Go clocks. And I've already did, done an episode on time controls and that's a pretty long episode it's episode number seven called Byoyomi fisher canadian and more so check that out if you're interested in a full-length discussion about the various time systems that are available in the game of go um, but i want to just touch on the actual hardware of the clocks themselves and i think that there's not too much to say about them they are kind of complicated to use um, i don't think you can sit down at a tournament and then see a go clock for the first time and immediately know how to navigate one if you've never used it before. But there are a few design choices that I'm a fan of, like the lever design I think is the best, the one where the flips up and down, depending on whose turn it is. I think it's very clear visually whose turn it is, and it's very easy to hit. One of the timers that I don't like are the ing clocks, and which are unfortunately pretty common, at least here in California, for, for tournaments. The reason I don't like... The ing clocks is very specific. One of the reason the reason is that the button that you press it's it doesn't have an, a definitive click. It's a squishy button. So when you press it, it's kind of hard to tell if you've pressed it or not. And this leads to sometimes people pressing it multiple times every turn to make sure it's been clicked. That's why the lever design is so great, because there's no pressing it multiple times. You just flip the switch. And I think that in the recent uh, Korean League, they changed the time control to Fisher, and they had one of these buttons. And even if the button has a click to it, 
you find yourself clicking the button multiple times. Oh, it, a perfect example of this is if you go to a crosswalk and you see that little button, there's no indication of a that you've pressed the button at all. So people just press it over and over again and it's squishy and you can't tell if it's pressed. It's awful. Um, it's superiorly, like supremely inferior to uh, the lever design. Um, but the only thing, you know, that the ink clock has for it is that it is a go timer and it even has a countdown voice for the Byoyomi. Although I'm not sure how necessary that is. I think that uh, a beep system is fine where you have kind of like a, um, a beep for 10 seconds and then a beep every second at five seconds. I think that's more than enough. And then a long beep to tell you that you've used your Byoyomi period. Um, but if you don't have a go clock fortunately today there are a lot of ways to work around it we have apps and on uh, the phone I, one of my favorite at least on ios is uh, one called chess clock plus so yeah i mean unfortunately we're gonna have to mooch off the chess folks here as we often have to but this chess clock has a byoyomi system uh, it's not the most convenient to set up, but it does have it, and you can basically just add every period manually. It's not like you can multiply the period and, and just set it once and then say three periods of this. You have to add it every time, and so that's eh, it's not the best, but, you know, setup is setup. You can set it up once, and then you can use it. Um, but what I like about this one is that it, the whole screen interface where you can just tap that half of the screen, and it, it works almost like the lever system that I mentioned with the go clocks or the chess clocks earlier. So that's, you know, that's it for the clocks. Uh, the next thing that I would want to talk about in terms of go technology is the Isis AI go board. That's like the, the thing that I think of when I think about go technology. It's, it's a, uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's a smart go board, uh, similar to the DGT boards on the chess side. It's got a built-in touchscreen, a speaker, and LED lights on all the intersections on the board. And then it has single convex stones that you can place. I assume they're single convex so they don't wobble around and make it easier for the computer to read what stone is on the board. And apparently these stones are not just regular single convex stones. They have something in them to help with the computer. I assume it has something to do with distinguishing black and white. Um, stones, but they're special Go stones for this special AI Go board. And as the as I've described as, as an AI Go board, you might guess that you can play against the AI with this board. Now, I don't know how strong the AI is, but I think it, it goes up to the levels of, and there's various strengths, and I think it goes up to the levels of um, the top AI out there today, um, like Catago, Leela, Golixi and things like that and you can go ahead and uh, play against the ai and it'll you you put down your stone and then the ai will light up where it wants to go and then you can put put a stone down for the ai and you can even play it as on a nine by nine board and it'll light up a little square in the middle where the boundaries are and you can play against the ai that way now of course that's not the only thing you can do with this go board you can play against someone and it'll record the game record for you, which is pretty cool. That's definitely something that's useful. It has a built-in tournament timer on that touchscreen there. 
Um, and I think it has like two silver knobs. Hopefully you could use like those knobs to smack the timer. I don't, you know, touchscreen timer is okay, but the physical me uh, mechanical timer is definitely superior in my opinion. And it has a variety of features. I think it has like a question bank, so you can train with it, a Joseki dictionary, uh, a Kifu library, and that's updated uh, via firmware with the latest Kifus um, from the pro world. And it even has third-party apps that allow you to play on things like Fox or Tigem, which is an incredible thing that I've always thought about doing because like, I love the physicality of Go. And you know, Go is, is a physical game when you play it in its original form and to be able to do that online with as many opponents as you'd want to is that's pretty cool the only thing is that you'd have to play for your opponent because it would light up the, the point that the opponent played in, and you'd have to grab a stone for them so there is a bit of a time crunch right you don't want to play with a super low time setting with this I, i'd imagine and i learned a lot about um, all of these features from a very, very nice and extensive video review, which I'll link uh, by a YouTuber who goes just by the name J, the letter J. And I'll link that video in the description. And he had this to say, I've played three online games with it so far, though, and honestly, it's the best online Go experience I had so far. It just feels much more natural to not focus on a PC screen and playing with actual stones. It really feels just more like playing with an actual person. If you don't mind the money too much and you really want to cut down on screen time, this could be very much worth it, yes. Um, well, you know, if you don't mind the money too much, that's kind of a big thing because this Go board, let me tell you how expensive it is. It's pretty much $1,000 US, give or take 100 or so depending on your source yeah 900 to 1100 dollars it's a very expensive go board i expect that you know i i think that's that has something to do with the demand for this go board it's probably not very high and yet it, it does take um, a good amount of resources to manufacture so it's a luxury board not for everyone not for me i'm not going to be getting this go board anytime soon um I, I'm doing just fine with my, my computer system uh, and playing with uh, the AI that's built into uh, various resources there. One other uh, side note about the AI Go board, the ISIS, IZIS AI Go board, is that although it does come in English, uh, it's not fully translated. So what I saw this YouTuber who was reviewing it do was he mounted his phone over the screen and used Google Lens to translate what was appearing on the screen. So there's some Chinese characters that appear every now and then, but um, apparently it's not too difficult to navigate through. And um, well, if you have that a uh, thousand extra bucks in your budget, then yeah, go for that AI Go board. But I think I'll be sticking to my regular uh, stones and block of wood for now. Uh, moving on to uh, some SGF editors, I want to mention. Let's let's cover some SGF editors and their pros and cons. And uh, I'll start with uh, KGS Seagoban, the OG, right? The one that everyone loves, that everyone's used to. All the all the uh, longtime players have grown up 
using this SGF editor. And it's great. It's so powerful. And I honestly can't comment too much on it because I don't actually have a lot of hours using it, but I have used it and it's, you know, what, what can you say? It's the one that kind of pioneered uh, the SGF editor world. Um, as far as I know, maybe there's even more primitive ones that uh, go beyond that. But basically this is so, so good that out of all the SGF editors today, there are still many people who prefer this one and go back to this one. Um, and it has a lot of different features like the, um, you can control click a point on the board and it'll skip immediately to that point of the game. It's just very well thought out, well made, and it's, it has an interface that people understand and it can be used for online sessions and, and things like that. And it's, it's great. It's just, you know, a solid overall, like benchmark SGF editor, moving on to the OGS editor. This one is also great because it's browser, browser, browser based, and that makes it very, very easy to connect and review with other people. And it's got a whole bunch of features as well. It's very similar to the KGS one, although I think it's kind of missing a couple of features here and there that the KGS one has. Um, and but it's great because most people, I think, nowadays are you know, who are avid Go players do have OGS accounts and you can just, you know, tell your friend to come into the OGS editor and do a review together. Um, the only problem I often see with the editor is this whole syncing ordeal. And people branch off and kind of, they're not aware whether the screen is synced or not sometimes and they they ask for control they say give me control okay okay i give you control and then you start editing and you realize you don't have control so you just desynced from the other player it it can get a little finicky at times it's not too bad um but it does happen i've seen this happen where people are trying to struggle with the, the ogs editor um, and if that's something that's frustrating to you, might I recommend one that I don't think is talked about as much called goban.co. This is a very interesting concept for a SGF viewer editor file thing or program. It's also browser-based. Just go to goban.co, G-O-B-A-N.co. And the concept is super simple. It's like, okay, obviously when you're in person and you have you're trying to do a review with someone with an actual go board there are no multiple branches like you can't just start your own branch and start moving stones around without changing what your opponents or, or your your friend or whoever sees it's just the single go board that you share and that's i think the concept of this sgf viewer when you play a move on the board it's it shows up for the other player and it's always synced there are no branching off. You don't you don't split off into two different branches where you're doing your own thing. And it's just like you have this virtual go board in front of you. And it's so simple and it's always synced. And it's great for if you just want to have a discussion with somebody and just go through the moves and things like that. Maybe not as good if you want to record variations and save them and make sure they're safely kept with all the notes and everything. But um, try it out. I, I actually really like it a lot. Um, and speaking of SGF editors that I like, Sabaki. This is my SGF editor of choice. I think it's got a great clean design. It's got a great number of features. It's very clear and clean and it's easy to read. 
I think one thing that people may not like is the fact that it's laid in a vertical format. Some people might not be used to that and they might uh, prefer the horizontal, the branching is what I'm talking about. Cause you know, you have the SGF editor where you have the go board uh, on one side of the screen and then you have the visualization of the branches on the other side. And Sabaki, it's, it's free by the way. So go ahead and look it up and give it a download and give it a go. And, uh, but then, like I said, it does have a vertical branching system, which I'm totally okay with. I'm fine with it. There's nothing really wrong with that. If you had to make me choose, uh, I guess the left to right system is definitely a little more intuitive, but I really don't mind the vertical system. I don't know. Maybe they should just update Sabaki and let you choose whether you want vertical or horizontal. I don't see why not. Um, although, you know, a vertical is more um, efficient in terms of the screen shape, right? Because you got this rectangular screen, which will fill up most of it with a, a square go board. And then you have this kind of vertical space left over. So that's why I think that the designer of Sabaki made that choice. Um, but one other feature that I really like about Sabaki is that um, it has this scrolling navigation. I'm scrolling with my mouse wheel all the time through the variations of the moves, and it's a very good way to just scan through a game. Um, another thing is that I think it's maybe some people of uh, who do who use Sabaki do not know about is that it actually has some hidden powerful features, like the control click on, on KGS. That's a pretty cool feature, right? Where you can control click any point on a board, and the SGF will skip to the move that was played there later on in the game. You can actually do that in Sabaki as well. It's not as fast, but you can press Control F, which will change the mode into like a find mode. And then when you click a point, it'll do the exact same thing, which is something I had to search out into the documentation to find out how to do. But it's really nice to know that. Um, one complaint I have about Sabaki, though, is where's the recording of the time control on the game? I don't ever see on the game anywhere if i go into the game info control i um there's no record of what time control was used for that game i, I really that's something that's important to me i want to know what time control was used for the game that i'm looking at because it changes how i look at the game too um but yeah sabaki is still my favorite sgf editor um, because of the, the design and, you know, you can inc incorporate uh, Katago with it. I don't use AI with Sabaki. I just use, I use a separate, um, you know, resource for that. But it's good also if you're someone who likes shortcuts and you're, you don't mind looking up and learning shortcuts because Sabaki has a lot of shortcuts. You can press Control E to edit the Go board. You can press, you know, Go... Uh, I often use control one to change the color of the stone that I'm editing. Um, there's, there's a bunch of things that you can do with Sabaki. It's very quick and it, you know, it's no frills. Um, and then one more SGF editor that I want to mention is called go right G O and then the word right. And it's all one word. And this is, I found this one through Baduk doctor. It's his SGF editor of choice. And you can see, that he's always using that one um, for, on his videos. And this one's very versatile and I like the look of it. And um, believe it or not, I, I like the look of this kind of flat, simple, you know, no shadows, no nothing, just black and white circles on a, you know, go board colored background. Um, and I think that's a great, um, it's a great piece of software. It has a lot of features actually. Um, 
it actually has, I think, a lot more features than you might guess when you first look at it. It takes a bit of learning uh, to use it, though, because a lot of the buttons, they're just kind of confusing. You don't know what they do until you use them. And even then, it may be hard to figure out which button does what because they don't have any labels. It's just images, it's just symbols. But one hidden feature of Go Right that I want to uh, mention is the search feature. Uh, and not the search feature that I mentioned on Sabaki, but this is actually super cool. You can basically set a folder uh, on Go Right, and it will be able to analyze the games in that folder to a point where you can look for certain shapes that appear in the SGF files and find SGF files with certain shapes in them, kind of like the wall theory thing. And I think that's crazy. That's an, an incredible feature, and I like it a lot, though. I haven't found like a good use for it um, right now. Like I don't have any way of incorporating that into my training regimen or anything like that. But if that's something you're looking for, where you want to be able to find certain shapes, um, I, and I think it's even like a not a strict search, but a fuzzy search where it's like it can find games that have similar shapes or something. I, I don't have too much experience with it, but go ahead and check that out if that's interest. That's of interest to you. Um, Go Right is also great for printouts. I think it's it's I think it's prob probably uh, one of the main functions is for it to be used as a way to print out Go problems. Um, and then uh, the only thing that I want to say about Go Right that I feel like is a criticism here is I think the branching system is a little finicky. It's very easy to click a stone onto the board to edit the branches, and it will branch off and it'll have these question marks filled in if you don't have if the you know board doesn't make sense and it's just kind of hard to navigate at least in my opinion it's just not been my favorite to manage the branches and things like that on go right but again it's it's a very powerful piece of software and it's great so check out that sgf editor if you're looking for a new sgf editor yeah go ahead and check out any of the ones i mentioned and see if um you know you prefer one of the ones that uh i've gone over today Okay, I'm actually really excited to share with you the next piece of Go technology. Now, this is an app. Unfortunately, I think it's only available on iOS. But this app is called Paduk Cap. B-A-D-U-K space Cap. Now, this is an app that I found quite a while ago, a few years ago. But it's essentially you just take a picture of your physical Go board. And then it gives you this grid to line up the corners onto the go board in the photo because oftentimes you know when you take a picture of a go board sometimes it's skewed due to the perspective and so it gives you a little grid and you can match the corners to each corner and the grid will line up and once you do that it'll analyze the image and look at the position of the stones and it'll record that into this sgf format in this digital format and you can use that to score the game you can do whatever you want with it from there and that's awesome right it's cool and it was a paid app i had to pay like three bucks or something for it and it was worth it um the not that i use it very often i don't find i never found a real reason to use it very often because i don't really even play physical games that often but it's pretty cool it's pretty nifty right that's not the part that i'm excited to share with you the part that I'm excited to share with you is a newer feature that I recently discovered. And it's, I don't know, my mind is still kind of blown by this, but it has live game recording now. It's 
you can point your go sorry you point your phone camera at the go board and then you line up the grid on the active camera while it's rolling and then you start the game and you put stones down like you put a stone down it'll beep and it'll record that move on the phone it's incredible and like it's way better than i thought it would be like it's just you put a stone down it beeps and you see the stone appear on the screen it's it's like i don't know it's just something that you have to experience it's pretty cool um it is a uh, subscription of like 2.99 a year and that is you know i work in a in the mobile app industry or i have experience in the mobile app industry and back in the day you know you remember all those apps they they were paid paid apps you have to pay one time fee and then you basically get the app for life well i think you know it turns out app developers kind of realize that's not very sustainable because unlike physical products like you know you got a coffee machine and you buy it you get it for life and that's it right the deal's done but with software, it's a little different, right? You have to sell the software. And then once the software is sold, you're still servicing the software. You have to troubleshoot it. You have to update it. You have to fix bugs. And, you know, every time iOS releases a new uh, update, you have to match the software to match that. So it's like you're paying for more of a service thing. So now you see a lot of the apps that go in towards a subscription thing and $2.99 a year, that's pennies, right? For this amazing piece of software. <laughs> I mean, they're not a sponsor. I don't have any sponsors just to let you know if I've, um, you know, given uh, shout outs to any products in the past. None of it is sponsored. It's just my opinion. But Paduk Cap, this live game recording feature, it's, yeah, it's just really cool. And um, I, I can see this being used more and more uh, as time goes on. I think a lot of people, they just kind of video their game or something like that. And it's very, very well thought out. I think the more I use it, the more I realize how much effort and time they put into this app because it's like, I'm like wondering, like, how will it register captures? And I'm trying to like capture some stones on the board. And I, I notice that it's not registering my moves. But then once I remove the appropriate stones, it then records the moves as a valid move. And it says, okay, the stones have been captured. Um, but there's a lot of details. I haven't fully explored it, but Paduk Cap. So check out that app. That's that's an incredible app. And um, if if you're looking for some kind of live game recording um, software, I highly recommend it. Okay, now that's going to uh, do it for a lot of these uh, software that I wanted to cover. But we've been talking a lot about SGF files. And I can't talk about SGF without mentioning the uh, this app right here. It's called SmartGo. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. SmartGo is a it's a series of apps, um, but right now I think it's kind of all converging into an app called SmartGo One. And the reason why SmartGo One is um, special is because it is run by Anders Kierruf who is the inventor of the SGF format. Uh, so SmartGo1 is his you know, pet project or passion pro project. I guess those are kind of the opposite. But basically, SmartGo1 is a library of Go books. It's an SGF editor, library of pro games. It's just kind of like an all-encompassing Go app. And this developer, Anders Kierruf, believe it or not, invented the smart game fo format back in 1987. 
And that was the SGF uh, file format number one, which was a little different from what we have today. And this person, Anders, is still developing Smart Go. And it's cra- it's crazy. Like, I think he's still super active too. Like last time I checked, um, he has a blog update from like not even a week ago. And so Smart Go one is quite special. And I don't think a lot of people know um, that the person who's developing Smart Go is the one who also invented SGF, which is probably one of the most important game technologies in the Go world. Um, Fun fact though, Smart Game format, SGF, is not just for Go. It actually was invented to accommodate many games. Let me give you a short list of the other games that it can record. Othello, Chess, Komoku, Nine Men's Morris, Backgammon, Shang-Chi, Shogi, Lines of Action, Attacks, Hex, Jungle, Neutron, Football, no, that's P-H-U-T, Ball, Quadrature, Tracks, Tantrix, Amazons, Octi, Guess, Twixt, Zerks, Plateau, Yinch, Punked, Goblet, Hive, Exit, Nifataful, Kuba, Triples, Chase, Tumbling Down, Sahara, Bite, Focused, Vaughn, Tomps, Gift, and Kropke. Wow. What are these games? <laughs> these must be all abstract games that I've not heard of. There's a lot. There's a few in there that I have heard of. Uh, I played Hex. That one. I like that one. It's a. It's one that my brother got me. Um, it's a bug, abstract bug game. <laughs> I'm talking about Hive here, not Hex. And I confuse those two all the time because they both have hexagons. But um, Hive is also supported by SGF. But anyway, uh, yes, Anders Anders Kiaruf invented the SGF format in 1987 as um in his as part of his phd thesis and then the current version that we use uh of sgf is ff4 file format 4 by arno holosi um, and that's the one that i think is supported by most current uh sgf readers and it's uh you know the sgf formats published under open content license and it's uh, it's just probably something we couldn't live without. It's a, it's a great thing for us in the Go world. Um, I think that um, FF4, uh, you know, the current smart game format is a little uh, outdated, but it's just not been replaced or updated by anything more recent. So maybe we'll see some future developments for p- potential um, uh, innovations in the uh, smart game format in the future. A little bit more about uh, Anders Kierulf. Uh He was the Swiss Othello champion in uh, 1983, 84, 85, and 89. So um, that's kind of cool, right? He was the U- United States Othello champion in 1992. And he's been working on Smart Go since 1999. And that's a long time, right? That's that is like over 20 years to be working on this thing. And he's still very active. And, and he's a... And if you're curious about his strength, uh, I think he's an amateur three Don. So far, we've talked about the Go technology that we have today. But now I want to talk about the Go technology of tomorrow. Stuff that I feel like is coming up, stuff that I want, stuff that I've imagined. One of the things that I really want is a Kindle for SGF files. I want a little tiny like pad where I can store just SGF files in and then just follow along 
pro games and things like that and, and have it with me next to my board. And obviously you can use an iPad right now for that, but yeah, a Kindle, like with the, you know, the type of screen that a Kindle has, uh, that would be cool. I, I would love to see something like that. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see any of those anytime soon. Uh, probably not a big enough market for something like that to come out. Um, one other thing uh, I want to see uh, as a development in technology is a better AI teacher. Um, something along the lines of ChatGPT combined with Catago, right? Because when you review things with AI, you never know what the AI is thinking. You just see what they want to play and you have to kind of figure it out. So how awesome would it be if you could ask, well, hey, why are you playing this move? Why is this bad? Why can't I play here? And the AI would respond to you, well, you can't play there because there's a group over here that's really weak. And you're like, really? That group is weak? And they say, yes, this group is weak. It will die in a few moves. And you can just have a conversation with an AI. That would be incredible. I'd love that. And, you know, chess has uh, its pseudo AI teachers right now. If you go to chess.com, it'll go over a game and it will not only tell you what moves that you should have played, it will do a little comment on uh why it's suggesting certain things but chess is a little more black and white and i feel like it's a little easier to develop for that i mean it's always been the case right but it's um it would be cool it'd be really cool to even just have even if you couldn't talk and ask questions to have that kind of insight right and just if there's a suggested move the ai going like in this case it's better to approach high as the right side of the board is important or you know little comments like that so i think you know that's the next step for AI. Um, another step that AI I think could take is to have a more localized Sumego assistant. And you can just ask, hey, is this group alive? Is this group dead? And because AI right now is primarily focused on the whole board state. And it, it's like, if you have a Sumego problem you don't know how to solve, it won't necessarily, um, you know, if you just put it on a board, it won't necessarily think of that as the most important thing. So just a Semego assistant, I think it will be incredible. Um, one piece of technology that I kind of mentioned in a previous episode is it would be cool if there's an SGF analyzer. And I want to mention to you uh, an older piece of technology that came out in 2013. And I'll link this in the description. It's like a ghoststyle.j2m.cz or something like that. But it's like a pretty cool little nifty uh, system where it will take a bunch of your like 40 or so SGF games and give you certain insights because uh, and it'll tell you like, oh, you, here are some flaws that you have. You tend to push from behind. You tend to um, leave weak. Group. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. And then it'll also analyze your style. Like, are you aggressive? Are you calm? Are you this or that? Um, and for something that came out in 2013, it's pretty impressive. But. I would love to see a more in-depth AI SGF analyzer who can just kind of look at your history of games and tell you, hey, you know, what I want you to work on is life and death. You are good at a lot of the other things, but you seem to fall apart when it comes to simple life and death situations. So you, do, you should learn some life and death. And that would be really cool insight for an AI, AI to give you. Um, another cool piece of technology I would love to see in the future is... VR Go or even AR Go. Actually, maybe AR Go would be even better. Uh, this is what I imagine. Imagine setting up your own Go board in your room on your side, and then your friend also does the same. 
they have their own go board and you calibrate the grid with your AR goggles and you can play a stone and your friend will see this virtual stone appear on their board and you can play a stone on their board and then that stone will appear virtually on your board. It's like playing real go in front of your friend over the internet. That'll be great. I think that'll be so cool. And then you can like change your avatar to dress up as like Chochikun or something. <laughs> or I don't know. Just like, I, I feel like that's so exciting if that would be able to happen, like to play AR go with someone. Um, it would be so much more fun than just playing with, um, with, you know, the technology we have today, like on OGS or something. And it would be good for lessons too. Cause like, you know, that whole problem of are we synced or not is also solved. You just kind of move the, the stones around, you know, you obviously have to have your, um, opponent, you know, move your stones when they, you know, like, or move, remove their own stones for you if you want to move their stones. So it might be a little finicky, but nothing I don't think we, can, we can't we can work around. But AR Go, I think it would be crazy. Um, VR Go would be cool too, right? VR Go is the same, but like it's just not as physical, right? Because you would have to have a way of manipulating the stones in the VR world. But it does have a potential to create more creative environments, I think. And then finally, the the ultimate piece of Go technology that I think maybe in the near or far future, depending on how far AI goes, is uh, an AGI that understands how to play Go. An AGI, uh, what does AGI stand for? I got to look this up. AGI, artificial general intelligence, right? Artificial general intelligence is the concept of just, it's kind of like the singularity. It's like when AI reaches a point where they, they actually can like think and, you know, it's like almost sentient level of thinking. And we can imagine AI acting as like many different roles, like a librarian, some AI that knows a lot about everything, or a physicist, some AI that knows very advanced phys physics concepts and is able to put them into perspective. But can we imagine an AI that's an expert Go player? And can you have a conversation with this AI and like just unlock the secrets of Go? Um, it's um, quite exciting. We'll see how technology develops in the Go world from here on out. Um, but I would love to hear, uh, I'll send you this uh, Go question of the week later on, but I would love to know what kind of technology you would like to see in the future regarding Go. Um, but with that, um, it's time for Go news. Last year, I talked about uh, or it's not last year. Last episode, I talked about uh, the different Meijins of each country. There's the Meijin for for Japan, the Mingren for China, and the Myongin for Korea. And I was wondering, well, we should have like a super Meijin where they all face off. And maybe we should also have an American Meijin. Um, Meijin, if you didn't know, means brilliant man. Although I don't think brilliant man would be a good um, name for the the Western world to adopt for their version of Meijin. Um, I was thinking maybe something like um, the ge like genius or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, maybe you have a better idea. Um, anyway, that's not Go News, but this is Samsung Cup. That's, that's the uh, hot news right now. Um, and I want to give you an update on the round of 32. The Samsung Cup, as you know, is one of the top tournaments in the Go world. It is probably like the 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 biggest one behind the ming the ing cup and um i mentioned that andre kravitz was invited as a wild card and was placed 
to match with Park Jung Hwan in the round of 32, which is uh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a rough one. Park Jung Hwan is I, I described Shin Jin Seo as the titan that Park Jung Hwan is trying to beat, but Park Jung Hwan himself is a titan, right? Park Jung Hwan arguably world number two, and so you know slim chance of Andre Kravitz beating Park Jung Hwan and. Yeah, Park Jong-hwan won that game and took that uh, from Andre Kravitz, but well played by Andre Kravitz. I think uh, it was not, you know, it was not terrible uh, from what I hear on the board for Andre. Um, but good job. And you can find a review of this particular game on the Twitch channel of the European Go Federation. And that's the name of the channel. It's European Go Federation with no spaces or anything like that. And I'm just going to go down the list of certain game results. Uh, Shin Jin Seo. Uh, Facing up against Wang Xinghao is one of the most anticipated games in this round of 32. Somehow these two drew each other and they're the top, basically the, the best of the best in the world right now. Um, Wang Xinghao is number four in Go ratings, just behind Xin Jinsao, Gu Zihao, and Park Zhonghuan. Uh, and he's an up-and-coming kind of re- representative of China at 20 years old. Uh, but unfortunately, he lost to Xin Jinsao, so fortunately for Xin Jinsao. Uh, so Xin Jinsao moves on to the round of 16. Uh, Li Changho, or Yi Changho, uh, was in the round of 32 this year for the Samsung Cup, which is crazy. He's a, an, a legend. If you ever watched that video on YouTube where they show who was at the top of the Go world throughout history, you see Li, Li Changho's section takes up like the longest period of time. He is an absolute legend in the game, and he's still kicking here. He's still playing. He's still at the top level, and he made it to the round of 32 in the Samsung Cup, uh, but unfortunately lost to Shin Minjun in the first round. Um, Gu Zihao beat Pyeon Sangye, who last year was famous for uh, slapping himself <laughs> Um, against Che Jung because Che Jung beat Byung Sang in a super big upset. Um, and Che Jung is also in this round of 32. She was uh, automatically qualified for the Samsung Cup because she was in the top four last year. But unfortunately, this year didn't do as well as she got kicked out by Xie or Hao. Uh, and then uh, Han, Han Wong Yu beat Yoda Norimoto. And Yoda Norimoto is another uh, old master, Master Yoda. Uh, to uh, because he's the first to win the Samsung Cup in 96 when it first started. But unfortunately, he also was uh, overtaken. Uh, and then Iyama Yuta was beaten by Kim Young-hun. And uh, Kim Eun-ji was also beaten by Hwang Yun-sung. Ding Hao also took down Hong Sung-ji to advance to the next round. And Xu Hao-hong, if you remember that name... The Taiwanese player who completely unexpectedly took the gold medal at the recent Asian Games also advanced to the second round, taking down An Jong-gi. And with that, all of the Japanese players are out and all of the women players are out. Uh, China's doing pretty well. Uh, we got some very strong Korean representatives as well. And then we've got the Taiwanese Xu Hao Hong here. Uh, and we'll see how the countries do moving forward in this international world major Paduk tournament. Uh, and I'll keep you guys updated, although a lot of the results will have been, you know, they're, they're available at hand to you all because of the timing of the episode. But I will try to, you know, keep you updated if you're not uh, going to keep your hand on the pulse there. So with that, it's going to be time for listener mail. 
All right, we got a pretty cool episode of Listener Mail this time because we got our first voicemail. Um, so let me play the clip. Hey, just wanted to give you some audience feedback. I've been enjoying your podcast. I really like that story about your dad borrowing a go board. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty entertaining and interesting. I wish uh, you'd go more into that. Like, I'd love to hear who your dad knew. I think you said it was his neighbor's go board or something. But I just found that story fascinating because, like, it makes me want to like learn more. It like, you know, it piqued my curiosity and really got my attention. And I wish you spent like maybe like one or two more minutes on that, just because like that was the part of the podcast last week that stood out to me the most. Hey, man, thanks for calling in. Uh, I, I would love to talk more about that, but I literally told you everything I know about that whole thing. It's like the go board appeared in my living room one day. It was like this thick. Uh, go, floor go board with legs and it was there and I remember my dad playing with his friend and yeah he bar he you know he obviously borrowed it from his friend because it's not ours and it eventually went away but I even asked my dad like what hey what was the deal with that thing and he was kind of just like I don't know like why did I have that <laughs> and so it's just kind of like a lost memory so unfortunately I, I can't tell you much more about that but thanks for uh, the for first voicemail of the show if you want to um, contribute a voice message for the show uh, I believe there should be a link somewhere wherever you're listening um, I think I read it I never linked that, so I'll include that this time in the show notes. Um, but there should be a link to uh, Spotify where you can submit a voice message. So thanks, uh, Rob, for um, entering a voicemail to the podcast. Uh, and then we got some voicemail about the benefits of Joseki number 10. Um, oh, we got a correction here uh, from Ferran Ferran. Sorry. Dan Q levels were a thing and go, and I assume Shogi well before the modern system of system of dons entered martial arts. Old times, you were a student or several grades of mastery, makimono, hanshi, and so on. It depends, and it actually makes more sense in go. One level, one stone. How would you translate that into a taekwondo or judo competition? Take care. Um, I really appreciate the um, the correction here because. Uh, I don't know why I thought that it originated in martial arts. I must have misremembered something, but that's actually super cool that it originates in Go. And I did a little more research into this, and uh, it's invented. The system was invented by Honimbo Dosaku in 1645 to. Oh, or, sorry, not 1640. That's when he lived. He lived in 1645 to 1702, but it was invented by Honimbo Dosaku. And before this uh, Kyudan system uh, was invented. It was just kind of like a um, handicap comparison, top to bottom ranking, rather than like a set uh, level system. And um, when Dosaku invented this system, the way it was calibrated at first was the then highest title holder, the Meijin, was set to be nine don, and then the, everyone's else's ranks were set uh, below that. Um, and then. Uh, a little more history about the Don system. The ranks were transferred into the martial arts system by Keino Jigoro um, in the late 1800s to early 1900s, uh, who was the founder of Judo. And he started the modern rank system in 1883 when he awarded Shodan, uh, which was which is one Don basically, to his two senior students. And before that, uh, martial arts would record progress with uh, less frequent Menkyo licenses, uh, or they're called secret scrolls. But um, 
Apparently, this uh, Qudan system was kind of inspired by a Chinese uh, system of ranking um, court, imperial, the imperial court officials. Um, and that was implemented around the 3rd century by um, Han Dan Chun, or it was mentioned at least in the Classic of Arts by Han Dan Chun. Um, but this system had nine levels, so it's kind of like similar in that there's like nine Don levels, but the nine Don levels, uh, or the nine pin, it's called Pin Shi, and um, number one is the, is the highest, I think. And it's funny because when I look it up on Wikipedia, it has the funniest descriptions of each rank. Um, starting with number one, the highest rank, and uh, that one is called Being in the Spirit. Okay, so kind of like this high level of nirvana or something. Number two, seat, seated in enlightenment. Okay, same kind of theme. Three, concreteness. Maybe a little awkwardly worded, but okay, I get it. Number four, understanding changes. Okay, it's getting a little more awkward. Five, applying wisdom. Okay, so maybe like five pin is the wisdom stage. Six pin is ability. Seven pin is fighting strength. And then these two last ones are what makes it funny. Eight pin is called being quite inept. And nine pin being truly stupid. And um, it's just, imagine imagine you become a Don player and you're like, yes, I've become, finally, finally I've become truly stupid. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think that's just hilarious. Um, maybe uh, if you got, I got like Chinese speaker listeners out there, if you could tell me, like, you look at the characters in Chinese uh, and tell me if there's a better translation you can give, can give I would love that. I would appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, just a short history lesson. Again, thanks to Farhan Farhan uh, to um, correcting me on that uh, point. I, I mean, I hate making mistakes on the podcast because they're just kind of recorded for history, but whatever. You're going to have to listen and listen to my mistakes and then listen for corrections. <laughs> but anyway, thank you. Um, okay, so got some comments on uh episode 13 how to review your own games uh hello again rach can you tell me how to say your name is it ray tsh or rach uh okay uh but anyway he says you can actually restrict the area on ai sensei to an analyze only a certain part of the board it is in the top right menu in the desktop browser and right now below the board on the mobile view uh yeah thanks i actually know about that the problem I have with that is that I'm not exactly sure how it works because like if I grab like a certain corner of the board, will it treat it as like, if like I get, get like a, I don't know, nine by nine area and the 19 by 19, will it treat it as like a nine by nine board or will it like, how does it treat the outside of that area? Like that's kind of what confuses me because sometimes I'll have like a local problem, but it'll want to play outside of it. And so I won't really be able to get the optimal move within that area. Okay, Rach also writes, I started to play in 2020 when AI and AI review tools were already abundant everywhere. I never had to review my own games and thus this is a skill that I severely lack. Reviewing your own games is a separate Go skill in my opinion. It is really hard for me to review my own games but I started to do so a few months ago. I replay my game on a real board and review it. I'm not taking notes or anything. I then check with AI about certain moves that I considered and I also look at stuff that I've completely missed. 
I get reviews from stronger players at least once a week as part of some mentorship or as part of private lessons. Sometimes I prepare these reviews by stronger players and by self-review, and I don't look at AI at all for these games. Um, yes, and I'm going to have to agree with you here. Uh, reviewing your own games is definitely a skill, and it's hard, and I'm still working on it. I, I don't know how to do it quite completely yet and how to find the, the best place, but I do know that once I stop relying on AI, um, I do think more about it, and I do try to use my own brain to figure certain things out. And so, yes, and, and the fact that you get a review once a week by stronger players, that's already crazy good. Like, I mean, that's that's amazing. So I think you're on the right track there. Thanks for writing in. Um, Bavalance, Bavalance? Yeah, I think it's a Bavalance or Bavalance, that's right. Great episode. Apart from the main topic, I particularly like your idea to present Easy Sumega without any visual aid. Would be great to evolve it into a regular part of your podcast. Uh, thanks for writing in, and um, you know maybe I'll try that again. It's it's a little awkward. It takes a long time, long time to um, describe things on a go board without any visual aid. But you know what? Uh, you've inspired me. Maybe I'll uh, try to include more of those. Thanks for writing in. And then finally, we have Plixic writing in again. Hello, thank you. Uh, and uh, they write, I would love to hear an episode focused on reading. Reading was an absolute mystery to me. When I first started playing, it seemed impossible to visualize more than two stones and like strong players has some, have some magic ability to see the future. I'm sure there are a lot of interesting thoughts on the subject and people probably view it very differently. I used to think that strong players read very clearly and actually know the correct move, which they do in some local fights, but not on the board as a whole. Now I realize that people often only read a few lines that seem good until it gets fuzzy in their mind, and then they make their best guess that seems right. I even see high Don players outright say, I don't know if this works, or let's see what happens, and then just play it. I never would have thought a 9 Don was just guessing that a fight is in their favor, or that a Joseki pro or that Joseki pros played could be exposed as being bad and somehow no one saw that black should have jumped instead of extending for hundreds of years. But it is the case. Even the AI is guessing, just much better than we do. It's easy to feel stupid when trying to read complicated lines, but it's comforting to know that ultimately we're all just guessing what the right move is. That's my thoughts on it anyway. Well, thank you for writing in again, Plixic. Um, and that's a great idea. I would, you know, I'd love to do an episode on reading. So watch out for that. I might do it in the near future. And yeah, I mean, believe it or not, a lot of the strong players don't read. And you see like the strongest players going like, ah, I should read this, but whatever, I'll play this. And um, I think that a lot has a lot to do with um, the fact that a lot of Go is intuition. And you do have to have a certain intuition about your moves. But I'll comment more on the subject in a future episode. Thank you so much for the idea. And keep the ideas coming, guys. Um, I really appreciate them because I do like having a store of ideas for the show. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for listener mail. And my question of the week for you today, I'm going to repeat from earlier. What kind of Go technology would you like to see in the future? What kind of technology do you think that uh, we lack in the Go world? I mean, Go is a primitive, primitive game of just uh, wood and stones, but we can enhance our experience with technology. So uh, I'd love to see what you guys come up with. And so if you want to comment wherever you're listening, um, on YouTube, Reddit, or Spotify, or shoot an email to Starpoint baduk at gmail.com that's starpoint b-a-d-u-k at gmail.com or if you want to contribute a voicemail there should be a link somewhere in the description where you can click on through into a podcast a spotify podcast website where you can uh, record your voice and submit a voicemail to the show but thanks for listening thanks so much for another episode and um keep playing go